in the Lord's house, not in the deer woods. Or using that for an excuse not to be here. That's what happens too. Oh, I got to go deer hunting 9 o'clock tonight. Can't make it this morning. God is worthy of us meeting together corporately as a family of God to worship Him. At least on the Lord's day. On the Lord's day, right? He's worthy of that. That's a habit. That's a that's a routine you should practice. And don't let things interrupt that. We even need to plan our vacations around the Lord's Day if possible. Sometimes you can't. Right? Sometimes you can't. But we need to honor the Lord. And others need to see us honoring the Lord. And when we're here, when we're in the Lord's house, we need to honor the Lord by Shaking your head with me when I'm saying something right. And saying amen to it, right? And not talking. And not disrupting. Got to be, I mean, I, I got in trouble for getting on a disruptor last year. I haven't gotten over it yet. Yeah, as you. Uh, we got to have order in the Lord's house to honor the Lord, right? We got to have order in the Lord's house. To have to honor the Lord. It's first Jesus, then the preaching of the word, and then our neighbors, and then ourselves. Right? All those things are important. So I just want to take a little time to preach you the unpreached sermons that preachers, that pastors have to teach the church. I'm the pastor, right? I got to teach the church how to worship. That's part of my job. I don't actually have to say it all the time, but every now and then, you need to say it. Sing praise. Lift up your voice. You can lift up your hands, amen? If you want to walk on the back of these chairs, you can, but I wouldn't, I wouldn't recommend it. They're not tied down like them pews were. Unless you're very light. If you're very light, maybe you could do that. 1 Kings chapter 13. The message today relates to anyone that's been called to preach more than anyone else probably. The text is very much about God and his power and God and his, his authority. And, and, but it's also deals, and it's a lesson for preachers in this. And I really debated about bringing it this morning. But I feel led of God to bring it this morning. Maybe to help you have a little compassion on anybody that's been called to preach. Now, a preacher is not a prophet, per se, as an Old Testament prophet. Understand that. I'm not claiming to be a prophet. I'm just a saved person that's been called by the Spirit of God to be a preacher, and then the church called me to be the pastor. And there is the pastor's office in the church. Right? We see that. That's, a, that's an office in the church. Uh, I had a person I was talking to uh, two weeks ago that uh, couldn't see why a church would have a pastor. I can't see how you cannot see we should have a pastor. It just seems impossible that you could come to that conclusion, but there's been a lot of people that come to that conclusion. I'm never surprised when I'm surprised anymore. <laughs> just it, it, something new uh, that I can't understand why people think that happens every time I turn around. Now, let's read the passage, and it's for all of us, but it's, it's a special geared in, dialed in, for anybody called to preach, and for you to respect that calling. And behold, there came a man of God, okay, out of Judah by the word of the Lord unto Bethel. Okay, so a man of God, he's been called by God to be a man of God, and he's been brought there by the Lord, by the word of the Lord unto Bethel. Now Bethel is where they used to worship before uh, they moved to Jerusalem, okay? Before they moved to Jerusalem, back in the early days of Saul and during uh, his time and after that, uh, who was the priest there when Saul was the prophet? Who was before him? What's his name? Somebody help me. Before Saul, the prophet. Who was his? Before Samuel. Before Samuel. I don't know what I'm saying. I don't know if what I'm saying matches up what I'm thinking. Okay, I'm out there on a limb somewhere. 
Eli, Eli, I got it. Okay. So during the days of Eli, they worshipped at Bethel. Okay? Now, but then, verse 1, And Jeroboam stood by the altar to burn incense. Jeroboam reestablished worship, but it's a pagan worship, at Bethel. Remember, the division of the kingdom happened during Rehoboam's day, right? Now there's the southern kingdom under David's family and the northern kingdom under Jeroboam at the time. And so for Jeroboam to keep his nation divided from Judah, the southern kingdom, he come up with this plan. We're going to reestablish worship back at Bethel. He says, because if the people keep going down to Jerusalem to worship, I'm going to lose my political party, right? I got to keep them separated, all right? There's, there's a lot going on. And so Jeroboam, this guy that's the, the king of the northern kingdom, he stood by the altar to burn incense. And he cried against the altar in the, wor- in the word of the Lord and said, O altar, altar, thus saith the Lord. Now this is the prophet crying. O altar, altar, thus saith the Lord, Behold, a child shall be born unto the house of David, Josiah by name. And upon thee shall he offer the priest of the high places that burn incense upon thee, and men's bones shall be burnt upon thee. And he gave a sign the same day, saying, This is the sign which the Lord has spoken. Behold, the altar shall be rent, and the ashes that are upon it shall be poured out. Now, I want to give you a little background here. The prophet here names the name of the the king that's going to end the worship here at Bethel, and his name is Josiah. Now, there's something we need to just add to that. When Josiah became king, he was how old? Eight years old. God wanted a fresh start with a new heart. And so while he was king, I'm sure those around him did the decision-making until he grew into that position. But if you'll remember, the revival of Josiah's day came to pass, didn't it? And, and this thing was, was ended, this pagan worship. It only lasted for a short time after Josiah, right? But remember, they dusted off the Word of God and they read it and discovered, my, my, we're doing so many things wrong. And they had to get back to doing what the Bible taught, the Old Testament, the Torah at the time. Now, I'm sure when Josiah was named as a little child, because they weren't familiar with what the Bible taught, they probably didn't even consider this, the ones who named him, right? The king, who's, uh, I can't remember his father now. I remember his sons, but not his father. But it's just God all through it. God is at work in the affairs of us. And so now we read, beginning with verse 4, and it came to pass when King Jeroboam, now we're back at the present, heard the saying of the man of God, which he cried against the altar in Bethel, that he put forth his hand from, uh, from the altar, saying, Lay hold of him, on him. And his hand, which he put forth against the prophet, dried up, so that he could not pull it in again to him. Uh, you know, he's he, like a stroke. He reaches out to touch the prophet, the man of God, and God protects the man of God, and his hand withers. This is something that we don't claim uh, just to, to the full extent, but God does protect those he calls. He does protect those he calls. And now we read on. His hand's been withered. Verse 5 The altar also was rent, and the ashes poured out from the altar according to the sign which the man of God had given by the word of the Lord. And the king answered and said unto the man of God, Entreat now the face of the Lord thy God, and pray for me. Look, man, we got a change going on here. And that my hand may be restored unto me, uh, to me again. And the man of God besought the Lord, and the king's hand was restored him again, became as it was before. 
And the king said unto the man of God, Come home with me and refresh thyself, and I will give thee a reward. And the man of God said unto the king, If thou wilt give me half thine house, I will not go in with thee, neither will I eat bread nor drink water in this place. For so it was charged me by the word of the Lord, saying, Eat no bread, nor drink water, nor turn again by the same way that thou camest. Go out a different direction. Verse 10. So he went another way and returned not by the way that he came to Bethel. Now there dwelt an old prophet in Bethel, and his sons came and told the old prophet all the works that the man of God had done that day in Bethel. And the words which he had spoken unto the king, them they told also unto their father the old prophet. And their father said unto them, What way went the prophet? He, uh, for his sons had seen what way the man of God went, which came from Judah. And he said unto his sons, uh, Saddle me the ass. So they saddled him the ass, and he rode thereon, and went after the man of God, and found him sitting under an oak. And he said unto him, Art thou the man of God that camest uh, from Judah? And he said, I am. Then he said unto him, Come home with me and eat bread. And the prophet said, I may not return with thee, nor go in with thee, neither will I eat uh, bread nor drink water with thee in this place. And that's the word of the Lord, right? For it was said to me by the word of the Lord, that Thou shalt eat no bread nor drink water there, nor turn again to go by the way that thou camest. And he said unto him, I am a prophet. Now this is the old prophet. He said, I am a prophet also, as thou art. And an angel spake unto me by the word of the Lord, saying, Bring the prophet back with thee into thine house, that he may eat bread and drink water. But he lied unto him. So he went back with him and did eat bread in his house and drink water. And it came to pass as they sat at the table that the word of the Lord came unto the prophet that had brought him back. The old disobedient prophet, a word from God came to him. Wow. In verse 21, And he cried unto the man of God that came from Judah, saying, Thus saith the Lord, For as much as thou hast disobeyed the mouth of the Lord, and hast not kept the commandment which the Lord thy God commanded thee, but camest back and hast eaten bread and drunk water uh, in the, the place, other which the Lord did say to thee, Eat no bread and drink no water. Thy carcass shall not come unto the sepulcher of thy fathers. And it came to pass, after he had eaten bread and after he had drunk, that he saddled for him the ass to wit for the prophet whom he had brought back. And when he was gone, a lion met him in the way and slew him. And a caucus was cast in the way, and the ass stood by it. And the lion also stood by the caucus. Carcass. And behold, men passed by and saw the carcass cast in the way, and the lion standing by the carcass. And they came and told it in the city where the old prophet dwelt. And when the prophet that brought him back, the old prophet, back from the way heard of it, he said, It is the man of God who was disobedient unto the word of the Lord. Therefore the Lord hath delivered him unto the lion, which hath torn him and slain him. According to the word of the Lord, which he spake unto him, and he spake to his son, saying, Saddle me the ass, and they saddled him. And he went and found his carcass, and cast in the way, and the ass and the lion standing by the carcass. The lion had not eaten the carcass, nor torn the ass. And the prophet took up the carcass of the man of God, and laid it upon the ass, and brought it back. And the old prophet came to the city to mourn and to bury him. And he laid his carcass, carcass 
in his own grave, and they mourned over him, saying, Alas, my brother. And it came to pass, after he buried him, he spake to his son, saying, When I am dead, then bury me in the sepulcher, wherein the man of God is buried. Lay my bones beside his bones. For the saying which he cried by the word of the Lord against the altar of Beth in Bethel and against all the houses of the high places which are in the cities of Samaria shall surely come to pass. Wow. Isn't that a story? Gosh, the word of God just lays it out there. And we have this story about the, the prophet of God that's speaking the word of God and then the old backslidden prophet and how he uh, spoke to him and deceived him. And guess what? It cost the prophet's life. His word was true, but as a person he failed. Now, when I introduced First Kings to you a few weeks ago, I, I, I made this clear that unless we know these Old Testament stories... We cannot walk with God as closely as we should. We need to learn these things. Our walk with God will be very shallow unless we have a biblical foundation in our soul, in our mind. First and second Kings and Samuels and Chronicles and all through the minor prophets, all of it is important for you to learn. And let me tell you something. We have a problem in the world today of shallow Christianity. Shallow Christianity, and it's like Vance Havner was asked about his his uh, his church that he was at. He said it's about four miles long and one inch deep, and that's about where Christianity is today. But we're about four miles wide and one inch deep. We need to get into the deeper things of the Word of God and learn the ways of God from the Word of God, and so that's why we're going. Through 1 Kings. Now we have a word from God beginning here from the man of God in in verse 1. He sent there from Judah by the word of the Lord to Bethel. And uh, this word is to prophesy against uh, this altar and the worship that's going on at this altar. And I've already told you Jeroboam is the king of the northern kingdom. And... uh, he, he stopped the people from, uh, or he didn't prevent them, but he made an alternative place for them to worship to get them not to go to the place that God told them to worship. And that goes on all the time. Now, God would bring up a king as a part of the prophecy. His name will be Josiah. It would happen 340 years after this. It's recorded in 2 Kings chapter 23. And God's unseen hand is going to work in the lives of the two kingdoms. And he's going to work in the lives of, of this happening here. And he's going to change it. Now, now think about this for a moment. Have you ever said to God, God, why don't you do something? And have you ever said to God, why don't you hurry up and do something? I mean, who hadn't said that? I want you to see something. There's a crisis going on in the lives of Jeroboam and the lives of the northern kingdom and the lives of this prophet, this man of God, and God does something 340 years later. Can you understand something about God? He don't work on our timetable, amen? He looks at the big picture. He's at, and, and, and listen, God is not in a hurry. God always allows time to repent, right? And, and, and God always, always allows the mockers to mock, the deceivers to deceive. He always does. And God's word is always true. Okay, so here we are. We're at the time of, we're two days later than this happened, and, and here we are. God didn't do that. Must not be true. Ten years later, oh, that guy must have been just uh, having bad pizza or something. That wasn't from God. Nothing's happened yet. A hundred years later, oh yeah, I think I remember something about that back then, but there wasn't nothing to it. 
250 years later, I hardly recall what that... What are you talking about? 340 years later, they said, Well, name this child Josiah. Why you name him Josiah? Because I like that name. I want to ask you a question. Why do you like that name? Because the hand of God is at work among us. Didn't even know why they named him Josiah, but God had it planned to a minute detail. Well, preacher, I've been hearing people talking about Jesus is coming again in a cloud. And you know what? I ain't never seen nothing. I don't have any reason to believe that. Oh, ah, ah, that's not going to happen. Oh, that guy said there's 88 reasons why uh, Jesus is going to come back in 1988. Oh, that was just a bunch of hogwash. You better be careful calling God's word hogwash. It's going to come to pass in the timing of God. After the mercy of God has been extended for those that will repent to repent, for those that want to mock, to do all the mocking they want to mock, to those that want to be critical of Jesus Christ, the Word of God, and God the Father, and the Holy Spirit, for let, to let them do all, because it's all going to show up at the great white throne judgment. And those that will be rewarded will be rewarded, and those that will be cast into the lake of fire will be cast into the lake of fire. God would do it in a precise way. That's exactly what took place. Jeremiah, I mean, Josiah is going to be his name. 340 years later, it took place. You know what? I'll even say this. I bet you, after this took place, that mamas would name their sons Josiah. Why you name that thing Josiah? Because I want him to destroy the works of the devil. They didn't have a word from God. You can't operate without a word from God. Hey God, when are you going to do something? When I get ready. That's good or bad, that's the way it is. God is God. Now, there are signs here that God was speaking. Verse uh, 4, Jeroboam, he tried to stop the man of God from speaking this prophecy. And his effort to stop the man speaking the word was an effort against God himself. And, of course, what happened, his hand was dried up. His hand was dried up. It like, like he had a stroke in that hand. This prophet... He, he cries against the altar, and, 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 he, he, and then God, as that man was trying to stop him, God stopped that man by withering his hand. Well, preacher, God must have hated Jeroboam. Look what happens. We see the mercy of God. The mercy of God. Look at it. Which, which verse is it? Uh, and the king answered and said unto the man of God, verse 6, Entreat me now uh, the face of the Lord thy God, and pray for me that my hand may be restored me again. And the man of God besought the Lord, and the king's hand was restored him again, because, uh, and it became as it was before. A miracle takes place, right? We see the love of God, the mercy of God, God's not interested. God's not interested in destroying the evil people in the world. He's interested that they might repent. And guess what? He's given Jeroboam the opportunity to turn to him, and he turns and he says, "Pray for me." And listen, we would have baptized him right then, wouldn't we? He says, "Pray for me." And what happens? Prophet prays for him. Verse 6, he prayed for him. Prayed for this evil king. So he prayed for him and God answered it. And God healed him. There's a lot of things we can learn from this. Number one, if God heals you, don't take it for granted that you must be some kind of an angel or something because God healed Jeroboam, this wicked man. And then again, if you feel like you're not worthy that God would heal you, don't let that bother you. Come anyway, because God will heal. Amen? God is merciful. God is 
specifically, I think, merciful to those that are lost. The prophet, he was under arrest. He was under arrest. Now he's in control. Just when you think it's over with, God comes through, right? Isn't that true? So this is truly a prophet, a man of God, on a mission for God. He restores Jeroboam's hand. God is merciful. When you and I think we have God figured out, all we have figured out is the God that we can put in this little box of ours. Don't even try. Now then, the prophet of God has an invitation. The preacher. And and like I said, a prophet. More than just a preacher, right? We're not prophets. We don't tell the future. They could. Verse 7. And the king said to the man of God, Come home with me, refresh thyself, and I'll give you reward. Oh, what's the motive here? That's my question. You know, what's the motive? What's the motive? Is he grateful? He should have been. Well, by the way, he responded. He repents. He turns. But notice, I want to read the last two verses right here and right now. And after this thing, Jeroboam returned not from his evil way, but made again of the lowest of the people, priests of the high places, Whosoever would, he took whosoever would. He consecrated him, whosoever he would. And he became one of the priests of the, of the high places. And this thing became sin unto the house of Jeroboam, even to cut it off and to destroy it from off the face of the earth. Jeroboam has his chance, and he seems to be making steps in the right direction with his heart, calling and asking for prayer, but there's no regeneration take place. This man is the same man after he experiences this miracle than he was before he experienced the miracle. Don't know, we don't understand, but the fact is the man is lost as a goose. Like I said, we don't know his motive, but I'd suspect... He wants to control the, the man of God. I would suspect that. The man of God stays true to his mission and says, No, I, I can't come. Don't you, don't you figure? He said, I'll give you a reward. Happens every day. The great prophet said, I'm not for sale here. Verse 8 and 9, The man of God said unto the king, if thou would give me half of thine house, I will not go with thee, neither will I eat bread nor drink water in this place. For so was it charged me by the word of the Lord, saying, Eat no bread, nor, nor drink water, nor turn again uh, by the same way that thou camest. And he went out another way. Man, he's resolved, isn't he? This guy's in line. He... he we don't know his name. And by the way, the Bible does things like that because your name is left out. Okay? His name is left out. And so he, right now, man, he's going to be Elijah too. He's going to be Elisha too. He's going to be like Moses. Man, there's nothing going to get him to fall. He is standing strong in the Lord and the power of his might. That's right, isn't it? Verse 9, he, he, by the word of the Lord, saying, Eat no bread, thine. 10, he says, He went out another way and returned not by the way that he came to Bethel. He made it. Temptation number one. He passes. His invitation to come and compromise. Over in 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 14. Be not unequally yoked together with unbelievers. For what fellowship hath righteousness with unrighteousness? And what communion hath light with darkness? We're told by God over and over again not to compromise in the situations that will cause us to turn away from God. Second John 1, 9 to 11. Whosoever transgress and abideth not in the doctrines of Christ has not God. 
He that abideth in the doctrines of Christ, he hath both the Father and the Son. If there come any among you and bring not this doctrine, receive him not into your house, neither bid him Godspeed. For he that, that bendeth him Godspeed is partner with his evil deeds. We're warned and we're warned, we're warned. Be careful, don't compromise the spiritual things that are important. And guess what I've been accused of? Because we got rid of the pews, we're compromising with the world. Can you understand how that would have any reality to it at all? Because we changed the color of the carpet, we've compromised on God. Because we have a black paint job behind that old wooden cross with nails in it, we have compromised with God. Now, I'm not trying to offend anybody with this, but I'm just telling you, I've been pastor here for 40 years, and we've done our best not to compromise on the things that are important, the spiritual things of the Word of God. But the color of the carpet and what you're sitting in is nothing to be compared to compromise. Well, the old churches, they didn't have chairs in them. Well, if you go back far enough, they didn't even have pews. I don't mean to get into that stuff, but I just wanted to mention that why I was here. I hope I'm not in the flesh. <laughs> anyway, there it is. Now, the prophet's tempted. He's tempted, but he resists it. He's, he's, he sees this king, he, he sees this king, and he understands this king, and he says, I, I'm not falling for that. I'll give you a reward. He didn't fall for that temptation. Right? Is Jeroboam grateful? Or is he trying to trick him? Probably trying to trick him. But the prophet answers him the right answer. But then, the prophet makes a wrong turn, is our next sec- section. But guess what? Verse 11. Now there dwelt an old prophet in Bethel, And his sons came and told him the works that the man of God had done that day in Bethel, the words which he had spoken unto the king, them they told also to their father. So now there's an old compromised prophet in town. How do we know he's compromised? Because he hadn't said a word about that that altar yet, has he? He's not known to be against it. Hey, as preachers, we have to let it be known where we are on things, right? Verse 11 to 14, there's the story. Verse 14, it says, And this old prophet went after the man of God and found him sitting under an oak. And he said unto him, Art thou the man of God that camest from Judah? And he said, I am. Listen. He looked at Jeroboam and he didn't fall for it. But now he sees a prophet just like him. And he believes what he says. You and I need to be careful who we believe. Verse 15. Then he said unto them, come home with me and eat bread. Oh man, that's... hey. Cornbread, I'd go. Biscuits, maybe I would, but cornbread. Come on, eat bread with me. Ain't nothing wrong with eating bread with me, is it? We got to be on our toes as Christians. We got to be aware. Oh, it ain't nothing wrong with eating bread. Got to be careful where you go. Be got to careful who you with. You say I'm strong enough. Well, I hope you are. But we have no guarantees. Sometimes the right answer is no. No. As hard as it may be to say, as misunderstood as it may be. No. Then uh, verse 16, and the prophet said, the old prophet said, uh, no, the new prophet, the young prophet said, I may not return to thee nor go in with thee, neither will I eat bread nor drink water with thee in this place. It was said unto me, verse 17, by the word of the Lord, thou shalt eat no bread, drink 
and nor drink water there, nor turn again to go by the way that thou camest. Now listen, folks, there's some things that God says to us clear. And if they're clear, we need to keep them clear. Keep them clear. Satan has a lie for us, though. Now listen, Jeremiah didn't lie to him. But this old prophet's going to lie to him. He's going to lie to him. Verse 17, For it was said to me by the word of the Lord, Thou shalt eat no bread, nor drink water there, nor turn again and go by the way that thou camest. And he said to him, I'm a prophet also, as thou art, and an angel. You know, Paul warns us about even if an angel tells you something. Right? Even if an angel tells you. He said, don't deviate from the truth of the word of God. There are false angels, folks. Verse 18, and he said to them, I am a prophet also as thou art. I'm one of you. You can trust me. Is that not what he's saying? And an angel spake unto me. Oh, I had this great experience. He tells of an experience that didn't even take place. He said, he spake to me by the word of the Lord, saying, Bring this man back with thee into thine house, that he may eat bread and drink water. But he lied unto him. Be careful. Colossians 2. Verse 8, beware lest any man spoil you through philosophy, vain deceit, after the tradition of man, the rudiments of the world, and not after Christ. Beware lest any man spoil you, deceive you. Satan is a deceiver, and he's got deception all around us to trick you, to lie to you, to turn you away from the truth. To turn you away from your church. To turn you away from the Word of God. Satan has all kinds of tricks. Matter of fact, Satan, the Bible teaches the book of James. You look up, you look up that word uh, where James tells us we're, we're, we're drawn away with, with our own lust. You know what the, the original word could be translated to? The original uh, word that we have could be translated to lure. Lure your way. Lure you away. How many of you are fishermen or women? You use a lure. And if that, tra- if that fish doesn't get attracted to that lure, you get another one. And you swap it around till you get the one that fish says, Ah, that's... Man, I can't wait. i got to have some of that. Satan does the same thing. Satan wants to lure you by getting you thinking about the seats on the Titanic when the boat's sinking. We need to upholster these seats here. By the way, it would cost more to upholster those seats than you could replace them with chairs. The old prophet, though, long compromised with idolatry. The old prophet long compromised with idolatry. Idolatry in his backyard. And don't you think for a minute, gosh, I go to the Lord all the time. Say, God, I'm not old yet, but when I get old, don't let me compromise. He found the prophet. He's sitting under an oak tree. Is he faint? Is he fatigued? I don't know. Is he weak? I don't know. But he falls for a lie. No one is more used by the devil than a backslidden believer. No one is used more by the devil than a backslidden believer. Oh, you don't need to do that. You know, you, that's not important. That's not important. Half of what that preacher said is really not important. It's not important, especially when he's talking about going to church. And that's, you don't have to go to church to be a Christian. You don't have to do that. What? Boy, that sounds very pleasant to my flesh. You mean I can sit down at the house and I can turn on the preacher for a minute and it will pop up and say that I viewed and I can turn it off and turn on the pregame program for the football game. 
This is a comfortable Christian life I've been living. Uh, it won't work. It won't work. He lied to him. No one is more used by the devil than a backslidden believer. He said, uh, I got a new revelation for you. I know, I know God told you that. I know God told you that. Ain't no, that ain't no problem with that. I believe everything you said. But I got a new revelation for you. Sure. God told you not to eat in this place. But God, God, God changed his mind. God didn't know I was here. And I, you could eat at my house. Well, I could read you all kinds of scripture. He deceived this believer, this man of God, this prophet. Prophet! If the devil can trick a prophet, he can surely trick me and you. Are you listening out there? The man of God had no trouble refusing the, the king. It was obvious, but he fell for this backslidden believer. Then we have 19 and 20. It says, He went back with him and did eat bread in his house and drank water. There's a point of no return. Lord, help us not to cross that line. And it came to pass as they did sat at the table. The word of the Lord came unto the, the old prophet that brought him back. God can speak through a donkey, can he not? There's hope for me then, amen. God can speak through a backslidden believer. There's hope for me then, amen. The old prophet that brought him there now is speaking to him the, Man, how far has the prophet of God fallen so that God didn't speak to, through him to his heart, but he spoke to him through the old backslidden believing prophet? The prophet, then he heads home. He heads home. What else is he going to do? He, 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 maybe he's questioning whether God really spoke through the old prophet or not, but pretty much he knows in his heart he's a dead man. Pretty much he knows it. It's over. And then we see, as he returns home, verse 24. And when he was gone, a lion met him in the way and slew him. And its carcass was cast in the way so that people could see it. And the ass stood by it. So people could see it. And the lion also stood by the carcass so that it could be seen. Folks, the Bible teaches us in the book of James that be careful of having much revelation from God, much responsibility to God, because with it comes much responsibility and accountability. And this prophet, this prophet who did not intend to mess up, messes up big time. Now this old prophet hears about him being laying in the streets. I'm sure the whole community heard about it. Why in the world would a lion kill him and not eat him? Why in the world would a lion not kill the donkey standing there? Why would a donkey and, and, and a lion stand there together with the, 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 the man laying there? Nothing's... Hey, this is a thing of God. Verse 28. And the old prophet went and found his carcass cast in the way so that people could see it. And the ass and the lion standing by the carcass and the lion had not eaten the carcass nor torn the ass. Now, all, all of this is for us to learn about the accountability and the responsibility of the men who preach the Word of God has for us. I hope it gives you a little sympathy and empathy and, and compassion and says, man, I need to pray for our preacher. Well, I hope so. 
I hope so. I don't want to be a fallen prophet. The old prophet that caused all this. No, he didn't cause all this. He brought it on. The man of God did it to himself. The old prophet, he brings him back. And he puts him down in, in a grave. He brought him down, didn't he? Now he lays him down. A story was told me years ago about a preacher in a small town community that was having a really good ministry. People were being saved and, and things were going well in the church and it was just a successful. It's a true story. He, the old preacher gets sick. Well, before that, there's a man that went against it and said all kinds of negative things about the preacher and the ministry and the church and just tore the work down, just tore and said, go anywhere but there. Don't go to that church. That guy, he's no good. Well, the old preacher gets sick. And he goes to the Memphis Baptist Hospital up on the third floor. He's not well. Well, the man that done all the damage who had a bit of truth to what he is telling, but it wasn't that he should have done it anyway, went to the preacher and apologized to him. The preacher was bitter over it. The preacher was bitter over it. He said, uh, I want you to do me a favor. You really want me to forgive you? He said, I want you, I want you to do me a favor. He said, I want you to take and write on a piece of paper what you just said. Just make it in a short form. Right on a piece of paper. And the old preacher said, Now I want you to take it and fold it up, and I want you to tear it up in a thousand pieces. Then I want you to throw it out the window. Third floor of the hospital. That couldn't happen, but the point the preacher was making. The damage was done, and all the apologizing in the world could not correct it. Be careful, mouth. Be careful, attitude, lest you do damage and have to stand before God and give an account for it someday. Well, they buried the prophet. He said, when I die, bury me in there. <laughs> I don't even want to get into that. That's not very good. He did not get to return home and be buried. Jeroboam returned to his idolatry. Verse 33 and 34 tells us that. And the man of God, though he failed personally, the word that he spoke was true. And it went on. Now, here we are today. How do we take all this? How do we apply all this? Number one, I and you both need to be the best Christian we can be. We need to be supportive of the work of God, supportive of the ministry of God. We need to do the things that God has gifted us to do in the church. We need to be supportive. We need to be behind it. We need to be unified. We need to be together. We need to shut our mouth when we want to be too bad about things. And we need to open our mouth in defense when we can defend what's going on around us. A lot to learn. Have a little compassion for you, preacher. I'm not a prophet, but there's a target on my back. There's a target on my back. And I never will forget when we had our first big split here at our church, and I realized God was still God, but somebody put a target on the preacher's back. Remember what we got we got to go through to be a preacher, to be a pastor. Realize there's that personal accountability that we have with God. And guess what? We have the same sin nature you have, so have a little compassion on me. I think a lot of people that are Christians think that that preacher, he's got something special about him. He just hates sin in such a way that he's never going to have any temptations like I, whoa. Stop. Don't put me on no pedestal. I'm a sinner in the trenches where you are. And let's do the work of God together. Let's bury it.
man of like passion. Let's all stand. Father, we come before you in Jesus' name. Thank you for the lessons about the old prophet, the new prophet, the young prophet, the word of God in 1 Kings 13. Help us to apply them, learn from them, apply them, practice them in Jesus' name. Let's sing that out. If you're not a Christian, the invitation is that Jesus died on the cross for the sins of the world and you can be saved today. Would you come? Would you come? If you're a Christian that needs to get right, would you come to God today? Let's sing it. Just as I am Ah. Uh. 